You better watch this one, or she'll kill you. Those were the words given from Catherine Knight's mother to her first husband on the day of their wedding. And so summarizes the story of Catherine Knight, a large bully of a woman who took no shit, had a short temper, and resorted to physical violence whenever she felt wronged. Today, we'll tell her story, from her terrible upbringing, to her numerous gentlemen callers, to the gruesome crime that eventually landed her in prison, with paperwork ordered to state, never to be released. I've never met an Australian woman, so I just hope they're all not abrasive, bullish, and kill their husbands. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you thought Leatherface was the best at skinning people, stick around. Hopefully this butcher from down under will let you off the hook. This is Necronomapod. You had this notion that Catherine Knight might have been the most evil woman to ever walk the planet. You didn't want to walk into the same room as her. You didn't want to set eyes on her. But what was most surprising was when you did see her, just how terribly ordinary she looked. She could have been a librarian. If you walked past her in the supermarket, you wouldn't have thought twice of it. She was a very ordinary looking woman. With all of the partners that survived Catherine Knight, whenever I sat down to talk to them, here were tough men, you know, calloused hands, cigarettes, rough faces, rough talking. All three at one stage or another burst into tears as they described the violence they suffered at her hands. They were genuine victims of domestic violence, no matter how how hard their outer shell. They were rattled by what Catherine had done to them. So I'll admit off the top, I do not watch or did not watch The Walking Dead. Mm. Obviously, surprise, surprise, Mike didn't watch it. Sure. You guys both did. For the most part. I bailed last well, year, but okay. up until then. And that's what I was going to get to. So I hear a lot of, you know, some people still watch The Walking Dead. Then there's like a spinoff show now, I think, or like a follow-up, like talk, sh- like Talking Dead. Yeah, that's afterwards. What's but there's like a, a wrap-up show. Yeah, okay. But there's there's a side thing. So it's Fear pretty, of the Walking Dead. Yeah. So it's like a that. deep thing. Yeah, sure. When did you guys abandon ship and why? The last show I watched was when they, um, what's her name, took Rick away in the helicopter. I didn't watch that far into it. Really? I don't think so. Oh. So uh, Dave made it longer with The Walking Dead? That's the last one I watched. I'm like, I'm done with this. No, I didn't watch that far. And how many seasons was that? I'm only asking because I feel like this is, like, there's some people who are still diehard Walking Dead fans. Did you get to The Whispers? No, this was before that. Yeah, I didn't get that far. I probably stopped. I had stopped before you. Because yeah. me and you text about it. We were talking yeah. about it. Yeah. I'm like, I can't, I can't waste time. any more time with this. Yeah. I can't do it. I don't know. That was season five, maybe. Yeah. So only five seasons. So that was years ago, no? Yeah, it was a year or two ago. Yeah. I, uh, well, I read the comics first. I finished the comics because it just ended not that long ago. So you stuck with the comics? Yeah. The episode where Negan first kind of really came in and then he <clears throat> spoiler alert i don't even feel like it's a spoiler because no. well, you ago. gave a warning they when he, mute he it smashed or uh he bashed uh glenn in the head yeah that was a good one that played right along with the comics i'm like hey, hmm. this is great and then uh and then they said they were going to dial it back because it was too graphic i'm like well that's what I mean, the that's, show that's, is that's man. the comics yeah and then it got super weird, and then there was like these hints at the whispers, and I was like really looking forward to the whispers, but it got super weird, and mm. I'm like, you know what? I'll just keep the whispers in my mind is how I read it in the there comics, so I don't need to watch it. 
<laughs> that's kind of where I ended. Okay. I, I ended it. Ne- Negan was great. I I love Negan. Negan mm. is the the epitome of a bad guy. Yeah, it's, it's great. Phenomenal. What about yeah. Witchman to call it from Breaking Bad? Who's the dude you guys both fucking hate? Uh, Todd. You guys said you can't even watch anything with him in it because you want to bash his fucking skull. Todd's a piece of shit. Negan has this. It's a comic book, so Negan has that that comic book. Just a heel. Yeah, and it's that vibe where it's like, okay, you can kind of like him, and even though he's taking a barbed wire baseball bat and bashing your favorite character's (laughs) head, still kind of cheered from a little bit. He's like the NWO. Yeah. If there's one show. What one show would you bring back for one more season if you could? Either of you. I know I'm throwing you on the spot now. I didn't prep you guys for this. I don't usually prep you guys for any of these questions. If you could bring back a show for just one season. Like it changes its ending or we just expand on that ending? Like a show that was canceled we, one more year. Yeah, anything you want. Anything you want to do. Oh, this was canceled and we were going to bring it anything, back? Any show you want to add one more season to. It's Pretty it means you can expand on a finale or you can change a finale. I mean, you have a whole season. I am going to go with The Watchmen from last year on HBO. Uh, you talk about that show a lot. I haven't it seen was it yet. so great. And they canceled it? or The guy that wrote it didn't want to do another series on HBO. Just, they did one season? They packed it in, yeah. Probably the Is single. Is it a comic book? Now that it was a graphic HBO, novel from way back. It really... Uh, I explained it, it wasn't the. It was like a reimagining of the base story, like the movie from years ago. But you highly recommend the graphic novel. Highly recommend oh, it's fantastic! Those. Did you mm-hmm. like Sin City? Yeah, it was the all movies? right. I loved those movies. And that yeah, they're good. Graphic novel. If you haven't seen The Watchmen, though, probably the greatest single season show I've ever seen. And Regina King, one of the greatest actresses ever. There it is. I love. So it. you do another season of that? Absolutely. If you want to read graphic novels, you just go down the Watchmen. Uh, Alan Moore, V for Vendetta, mm. Watchmen, Swamp Thing. Well, that's not what I asked Ian. I'm just telling <laughs> you what this dude has wrote. It's it's good stuff. All right, so if I had to pick one, I would say Better Off Ted. Really? It's a great show. It was canceled like mid. I don't even know what that is. I've heard of it. I I don't. It's it's kind of like The Office, but it's hmm. um, it's like this like, like pharmaceutical laboratory kind of thing. Hmm. It's really funny, but yeah, it got canceled like two. It has the uh, the girl from um, Arrested Development in it. Okay, Ellen DeGeneres' wife. A l- she's Portia de Rossi. Yeah, she's the main character in it. But it got canceled like midway through the second season. Mm. I thought it was super right. funny. You guys ready to lose some listeners? Yeah, I think Arrested Development is the most overrated show of all time. Mm, you're wrong. Both of you are wrong. I already know what he's going to say. I already know what he's going to say. I watched 10 episodes, the first 10, and I was like, why am I watching this? This is such a waste of time. Yeah, I wanted to like it too. I'm surprised I didn't love it. And I love Jason Bateman. It's not funny. I've watched it like four or five times all the way through. (laughs) It is bad. I wanted to like it. I don't know why. Maybe I'll give it another shot. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll I don't try know about again. these new seasons with Netflix, but the first three are good. Maybe I'll try it again now that I know a little bit more what to expect, but I could not get into it. And I had people swear to me that I would love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We better get on with the show. Someone's going to post a review about our inane banter going for nine minutes. What, 1130, Pally? <laughs> so <laughs> fuck damn. that, listener. <laughs> hey, I kept the, I didn't even mention fast food, and I wasn't even going to tell Ian that today for lunch I had a Wendy's double. Didn't get a triple because I didn't want to fall asleep at my desk. 
Mm. Had a double. Last time we I didn't record, even go well, on a, a rabbit hole. All right, all right, we're going. <laughs> so we got something crazy today. We're going down under for the first time. We almost hmm. did this as a bonus show at one point. We I'm did. so glad we didn't. Yeah, I know. This needs to be out to the masses. This and, is our first Australian show. Behind the United States, Australia's number two. We love us. We have there. a strong legion of yes, Australian listeners. Too. I want to thank go. you very I much. I want to go there. First live show might be in Australia. I want to go. Absolutely. Well, you know, after these viruses go away, we're allowed to leave the country. Yeah, shit's getting locked down. It's only a 20 hour flight over there, so that'll be fun. Easy. We'll record four shows <laughs> on the way over. <laughs> yeah. I think the first live show might be in Australia if it's not in Cleveland. I I want to go. I want to I want to do it all. I want kangaroos. I want <laughs> Well, I don't want any kangaroos. Motherfuckers. Boomerangs. The old Nick Diaz kangaroo. <laughs> Remember that thing? Boomerang. All right. All right let's, let's get into it. Get into it. Catherine Knight was born October 24th, 1955, and raised in a very unconventional and dysfunctional family environment. Her mother, Barbara Rohan, had been married to a man named Jack Rohan and lived in a small town of Aberdeen in New South Wales, Hunter Valley. Barbara and Jack had four sons before Barbara began an adulterous relationship with another man named Ken Knight, who was a friend and co-worker of her husband. Dirty. <laughs> you done me wrong. Oh, she did him dirty. <laughs> the Rohan and Knight families were like well-known in the conservative rural town, and the affair caused a major scandal. And that's kind of a thing that we're going to get in through without this whole story is that there's these certain families in Aberdeen that have been there for decades. And when they get involved with each other, they all have certain reputations. And when they get involved with each other, shit happens. Hmm. Like the Hatfields and McCoys? That's exactly what I was going to say. (laughs) That's literally what I was getting ready to say. Local backlash forced Barbara and Ken to leave Aberdeen and move to Moray. None of her four sons went with her. Then the two older boys continued to live with their fathers, while the two younger sons were sent to live with their aunt in Sydney. Barbara had four additional children with Ken, including a pair of twin girls born in 1955 in Tenerfield. Catherine Knight was the younger of these twin daughters. So she came out second? Yes. I mean, they're <laughs> twins. That would be logical. <laughs> just want to make sure we're clear. She just came out. So she's five seconds younger. In 1959, when Catherine was four years old, Jack Rowan died, and his two older boys who had been living with him moved in with Barbara and Ken. So six kids then. Sounds perfectly functional. Catherine's father, Ken, was an alcoholic who openly used violence and intimidation to rape his wife, Barbara, up to ten times a day and often in front of the kids. So we're off to a good start here for Catherine. Ten? Ten times a day. In front of the kids. The, Often. What the what? <laughs> That's what do you if you're the kids, like how do you how do you react to something like that? It's kind of a grasp at moment in in these stories that we do. But this one's a real grasp at moment. Like you you, you gotta kinda grasp this as uh you're sitting there as a kid, your father is kind of chasing your mom around and just kind of beats her into submission and has sex with her in front of you. Yeah. This, this is what this is. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you're young enough. You don't understand. You just see it happening. 10 times a day. Yeah. 
Barbara, in turn, would often tell her daughters how much she hated sex and men. Later, when Catherine complained to her mother that one of her partners wanted to do something sexual that she didn't want to do, her mother Barbara told her, quote, put up with it and stop complaining. That's great advice. Was it anal? (laughs) Did she not think it was super to take it in her pooper? (laughs) I, I hope so. I hope so. I'm just asking. I don't know what they get, do in Australia. They probably the have things that we don't even know about here. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm like sure. Like special it, sex acts? Probably. Stuff you've never heard of. Right. I don't know what they do at that part of the flat earth. Like, that's just <laughs> f- so far away. They're near the ice caps over there. That's not a knife. This is a knife. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine also claims that she was sex- frequently sexually assaulted by several members of her family. But not, she specifically says not by her father, which continued until she was 11 years old. So on top of seeing her mom rape 10 times a day, roughly, she was also sexually assaulted for the first 11 years of her life. This is what she claims. This is kind of a running thing with her. I feel like that was a, let me be very clear. Yeah. The we have we, one day. <laughs> we, we don't really know because she claims a lot of things and... That's not to say people that don't well, so is victims that true about aren't the- to be believed, but Catherine Knight has a lot of things that she claims that are not accurate throughout this story. So she's suspect. Okay. That's sure. okay to say. Yeah. Fair. There's minor doubts about the details of what she says, but psychiatrists that examined her, for the most part, they accept her claims of what she says of, as far as sexual assault as far as when she was a child and family members have confirmed that the events did happen based on her behavior as we get through this it's evident that something happened to her barbara's great-grandmother was an indigenous australian from the moray area who married an irishman barbara was proud of this fact and identifies as an aboriginal this was kept a family secret as there was considerable racism at the time there was a source of tension with the children. So this whole Aboriginal American Irishman thing was, was kind of off limits. Well, I mean, we know how that goes in this country, so you can, <laughs> you can imagine. Apart from her twin sister, the only person who Catherine was close to was her uncle Oscar Knight, who was a champion horseman. She was devastated when he committed suicide in 1969 and continues to maintain that his ghost visits her. God damn, she can't catch a break here. Did her twin sister kind of endure the same treatment? Absolutely not. Well, I don't know about the same treatment, but the same outcome, absolutely not. As far that's as very, and that's interesting. As well, far as it's behavior. A, yeah, because you can, you know, make the nature versus nurture question if she went through the same kind of upbringing and then right. endured the same, you know, violence and whatnot, but yeah. didn't turn out the same. Okay. As, as far as a woman that just beats the shit out of everybody that crosses her and <laughs> But I mean, like, has her twin sister ever confirmed any of these stories or any of these that we know of? Or has she been kind of off the grid? From what I read, it was that family members were willing to confirm some of her stories, but not all of it. So after her, her uncle Oscar Knight committed suicide, they moved back to Aberdeen that year. That year, she attended Musselbrook High School and Catherine became a loner and is remembered by classmates as a bully who stood over smaller children. 
She assaulted at least one boy at school with a weapon and was once injured by a teacher who was subsequently found to be acting in self-defense. So she attacked a teacher and the teacher yeah. fought back. Yeah. And when I just said that Catherine Knight is like a, a very, I alluded to that she's a tough a tough woman. Mm-hmm. This is kind of where we're getting into the, the realm here of her. She is a very tall woman mm. and a very tough and strong woman. They said there was a kind Intimidating that, looking. Yes, that she had man's hands was a lot of the things. She was very strong mm. and very tough. Remember that Seinfeld episode with man hands? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> By contrast, when she was not angry... Catherine was a model student and often earned warrants for her good behavior. Upon leaving school at 15, without having learned to read or write, she gained employment as a cutter in a clothing factory. It's a long time in school not to know how to read or write. Well, that was the kind of thing that I was reading about with... wonder if that's common in the Australian public school system. <laughs> well, in, in Aberdeen, that was kind of the thing. was like, if you're uh, heard we'll get into it her dream job was to work in the in the slaughterhouse the mm-hmm. abattoir so no reading or writing needed there true absolutely not so th- this was not abnormal for okay. her to leave school at 15 without being able to read or write 12 months later she started what she referred to as her dream job cutting up awful at the local abattoir we had a discussion off air earlier about abattoir because I did not know what that word meant but until I did this. I was not present for that conversation <laughs> Well, because homeboy still doesn't know what the fuck we're talking about. Well, about abattoir or about awful? Well, I've seen, I've no, I refuse to watch awful. the movie uh, Avatar. I'm not going to watch it. It looks stupid as shit. I'm not going to waste three hours. So she's cutting up avatars. You ever seen avatars? Blue people all over the place, I'm guessing, and I don't care. <laughs> Okay. I'm just going to disregard that whole avatar thing. <laughs> well, awful is scrap meat for anyone that doesn't know. Like entrails. Look like what they make my beef jerky out of probably. Probably. From the gas station all the time. I'm eating awful. The interesting about awful that I learned because I had to, I will fully admit that I just wikipedia that and <laughs> tried to figure out what that word meant. For awful, you mean? Yes. They use some of that as like really like high-end stuff. Like... This is this is fancy. Uh, and then you take it home and cook it. And you're like, what well, is this shit? Well, it's like fan- like you go to like a five star restaurant. And it's something and, and from it's this awful. awful and it's is, awful. Is in there? Well, it's yeah. just you know. I I think the technical term or the definition is any you know any cut of meat that's not muscle. Yeah. Is that what so it like is? liver, so entrails, is, organ meat, heart. So what actually is, because there's probably people out there that don't know, as like me, what is an avatar or avatar? Slaughterhouse. 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 Yeah. yeah. Okay. So like if you're getting uh, like your jello, like the gelatin, mm-hmm. it's coming from the awful. But you could I, be I going enjoy, to a, I like jello. So. <laughs> but you could be going to a five-star restaurant and there's also some awful in there too. Okay. Depends what you like, man. Hey, you like what you like. That's mm-hmm. fine. I eat beef jerky like it's my job, so, and that's I, I got probably a t- awful. I got a Tabasco Slim Jim the other day from the gas station. Have I loved every second ones? of it. Have you seen the new things they have out? I just saw it yesterday morning. Yesterday morning, I saw it at the gas station. They have Savage 
sausages. <laughs> They're Slim Jim, Macho Man, Randy Savage sausages. You're way too excited, <laughs> dude, for this. They must still fucking own like the rights to Randy Savage for Slim Jim <laughs> use. These things are as thick as a nickel and about two feet long and it's a sausage and it's randy savage sausage and i didn't buy it and to this day it's the biggest regret of my life i think i'm gonna go back tomorrow and get one stand by for review i want a randy savage oh yeah dig it take the sausage baby oh yeah macho man i'm gonna get one and i'm gonna eat it they'll still be there tomorrow I'm sure they will be. And in 10 years, when the coronavirus kills all of us, hey, it'll still be there. And I'll be immune to it because I had the savage sausage. So, so Catherine loved this job by, by all accounts. Like, like we said, this was her dream job. And she loved this environment so much that she would go down during her breaks to hang out with the guy that uh, slaughtered pigs just to watch them die. So that was just... Oh, sounds like, great. Yeah. After working her way up, she was quickly promoted to boning. Hey, Mike and- got promoted to boning in his <laughs> freshman year in college. He was like in hand job purgatory before that. It's actually very true. <laughs> they call me the bone master. Previously, I was old handy. They called me handy. They said, oh, there's handy. Oh, is he good at fixing stuff? Nope. Just can't close the deal. <laughs> So when she promoted the boning, that's where we're at. Promoted the boning. (laughs) When she got promoted the boning, she was given her own set of butcher's knives. And these knives would become her favorite thing in the world. Like not even exaggerating that fact. Like these knives would become like her children. It was how she would view these knives. Mm. Psycho alert. Yeah. While working at the abattoir, Catherine met her first husband, David Kellett, in 1973. Kellett had previously worked for the railways at Cough Harbor. His best friend was killed in front of him in a shunting accident, and he was later present when a train hit a school bus in Kempsey, killing six children in 1968. This story is littered with just great things. Yeah. There is, there's just been so much great in this story thus far with, you know, the rapings and the sexual assaults and then the train accidents and six children dying. It's pretty it's tough. Yeah. yeah. There's been more death in this story already <laughs> than some, any of our serial killer stories. I feel like. Yeah. And we're just You're setting the wrong. foundation. Mm-hmm. No. The grief. David helped rescue these children and remove their bodies. And so he was a very heavy drinker, and this was attributed to these incidents. He was transferred to Musselbrook after causing several derailments due to falling asleep while shunting. You can't sleep while you're shunting. <laughs> Doesn't seem safe. Goddamn, pal. Um, shunting 101. Stay awake, <laughs> motherfucker. What is shunting? Can, I, I don't, can somebody elaborate on that? Yeah, because I'm a manly man. I know what shunting is. It's transferring uh, rail cars like to the sideline or to another yeah. track. Nothing I would ever be able to do in my life. <laughs> what is it? like? A, do you just pull a lever? Or? I don't know. I Googled it when I read the outline. <laughs> I'm like, you fucking clowns. Somebody I was hate. interested. <laughs> I read the outline like 20 minutes ago. Get off my dick about it. His behavior deteriorated, and he eventually lost this job, but soon he got work at the nearby Aberdeen Abattoir, where he became close friends with Catherine's brother. He began dating Catherine. He also occasionally slept with her twin. Whoa, twin fucking. Oh, 
Zoom. Zoom. Like zoom. together at the same time? I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt it. I was mm. waiting for the whatever you did last time. Yes. Yeah. Um, Reminds me of that double mint gum commercial. Remember that? <laughs> A double pleasure is waiting double. for you. Wait, what is it? Uh, double your pleasure, double your fun. That's the statement of the great mint of double mint gum. Goddamn. <laughs> I don't know why I know that. Twins? Maybe that it was all just a, a joke about fucking twins. I thought so. Double mint gum was just playing <laughs> off of, you should bone some twins. Exactly. Shoe our gum, your fresh breath, you'll be able to bone all of them. <laughs> so often, if David Kellett got into a fight, Catherine would step in and back him up because in Aberdeen, she was well known for just beating the living shit out of anyone who upset her. Mm. Because this, we said it earlier that she is a very large woman, but just reiterate that she is a very yeah. tall and very tough woman. Just a broad, big woman. Yes. And she'll fuck you up. That it's like she, if, but she's if also- her boyfriend is in a fight, pull him aside and just fucking beat the shit out of anybody. You're out in the town fist fighting with your girl. That sounds cool. Yep. But like, uh, like go ahead. No, I say that's what Ronda Rousey's husband feels like. Well, yeah. <laughs> Travis Brown, though, knocks somebody out, too. Right. I mean, he's not, <laughs> you know, a fa- unless uh, you're Derek uh, Lewis and going to knock his ass out. But. A couple that fights together stays together. Hey, I mean, this girl has seen some shit, though. Yeah. Like, she's. Yeah, we, I'm not I think I would be a hostile life. person, too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I'm not downplaying her life. No, I don't think any of us are. I'm just yeah. saying, making a point. Catherine married David Kellett in 1974 at her request, with the couple arriving at the service. <laughs> she on... proposed herself <laughs> via him. <laughs> well, that's that's that is how it was told. Was that it was kind of like because they were in this. This is like a, a slaughterhouse community in Aberdeen. So it was kind of like when you hit the age of 18. It was like, well, you should be married and you should be doing stuff. So it was kind of how I read it was that when she hit 18, she had already been like kind of dating him and and stuff. And so she just went to him one day on their break and was like, hey, you're fucking getting married to me. You don't have any say about it. Me and you are getting married. (laughs) He's like, I am not. (laughs) The fuck I am. (laughs) And what'd she say, Dave? Oh, two. <laughs> Nailed you it. You fuck. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Professional actor over here. He's a voice actor. <laughs> so the couple arrived at the service on her motorcycle with Catherine driving an extremely intoxicated David Kellett. Yes. Who had spent the past two days drinking on the back. Well, he was just forcefully proposed to to a, some some big ass woman that's gonna beat his ass. He's like, "Well, I'm gonna get drunk my last few days being single." Yeah, he's riding bitch on the back of the motorcycle <laughs> yeah. around town for but two like, days. Getting I hammered. just picture like him not even holding on. He's literally just like dead on the back, and she's probably like holding on to his legs as his arms are like flopping in the wind. <laughs> so, according to David. As soon as they arrived, Catherine's mother, Barbara, gave David some advice saying, quote, You better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you. Sit her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked. <laughs> Don't ever think of playing up on us. She'll fucking kill you. Nailed it. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. 
That well, Australian her, accent. Her words, hard. not yours. Her <laughs> words, not yours. That was a live recording. That was an actual recording we had from that. I got to be honest. I was planning on uh, hitting up Australia in the next couple of years, but I'm, I'm getting a little nervous now. <laughs> Keep doing that accent. <laughs> Our first live show is canceled now because Dave's going to have a hit on him. So later that night, after everything was done, Catherine knew that her parents had had sex five times on their wedding night because Barbara was very open with, with this stuff. So that's what Catherine wanted. David had been drinking for two days, so he was only able to do it three times. Which two straight I, days of drinking? That's not shabby, which man. I, I commend David in yeah. that. A hundred percent. Damn. If only he had had a tablet he could take. Huh. That, blue? that if that tablet and the promoting company sent us efficient funds... We would speak their name, and he would have a fucking throbbing heart on. <laughs> he could have had sex two more times. True. But they didn't pay us. We don't mention it. He didn't take it. Moving on. All right. Talking about Blue Chew. I, he wanted dick, he needed dick pills. He needed some dick pills. He wants some Blue Chew. We all do. So when David fell asleep, Catherine just sat awake, just like stewing on this fact that they had only had sex three times, and her parents had it five, like over and over again. My they mom had, got plowed two more times yeah. than I did. Like they had a five, I had three, like over and over again. I wonder what Annalise would say in a time like this. <laughs> fuck, fuck me, David. <laughs> fuck me two more times. David awoke by her just strangling, like literally strangling him, like not even like exaggerating the fact of her, her choking him. Like, like full, Homer Simpson, Bart Simpson. Yeah, no, like full on fucking strangling him and punching him in the face over this. This is off the rails. This is terrible. It's not funny. <laughs> like just literally beating the shit out of him because he couldn't. And he's two days drunk, so he's passed out as fuck. <laughs> right. Like he's not feeling any of that, probably. Mm. Like David calmed her down, and they they got past this incident, and he said that things were decent for the better part of the first couple years. But when Catherine got pregnant, things took a drastic turn. David had been out drinking at a darts tournament, and Catherine, and that's the thing with her that's kind of weird with this is that she's completely sober. In all this, like out of control anger, she's one hundred percent sober through all this. She didn't care that he drank, but if he came home late, that that was just the end of it. The end of him. Yeah. So that night, David came home late from the start tournament, and in a blind rage, she just straight up set all of his clothes on fire and then hit him in the back of the head with a frying pan, fracturing his skull. <laughs> My God, damn. <laughs> His cranium cracked. Jesus. In fear for his life, David fled before collapsing in front of a neighbor's house, and he was taken to the hospital. Police wanted to charge Catherine, but she manipulated David into char into dropping the charges. And this is something that we're going to see with Catherine throughout this whole story is that she's very, very good at manipulating herself into not getting in trouble when it comes to these domestic uh, domestic violence charges in may 1976 shortly after the birth of their first child melissa ann david left Catherine for another woman and moved to queensland 
and this was just due to uh, being unable to cope with Catherine's abuse. Yeah. Because she was beating the... Sh- like, we kind of, like, yada yada over some of this, but she beat the fuck out of this guy constantly. Like, this is... What what happened to this guy and what happens to a lot of these guys is like a... It's like the flip on what you would normally think of domestic violence. Like, you normally think it's a guy doing it to a woman, but this is a woman beating the shit out of guys. The next day, Catherine was seen pushing her new baby in a stroller down the main street, just violently throwing the stroller from side to side. Well, in all fairness, there could have been a snake in the stroller. It's Australia. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, give her the benefit of the doubt here. Fair, fair. She was... She was admitted to St. Elmo's Hospital in Tamsworth, where she was diagnosed with postnatal depression and spent several weeks recovering. Immediately after being released, Catherine placed Melissa on a railway line, knowing full well that shortly a train was due. (laughs) So just dumped the baby off, and she knew damn well that the train was coming. She then stole an axe and then went into town threatening to kill several people just walking up and down the main street swinging this axe around just the way i read it was she was just screaming at everybody like she was gonna fucking kill everybody and people were just like closing their blinds and locking their doors Mm. because they knew damn well who she was what family she belonged to and that it was like the nights are nothing to be fucked with so we're just we're just closing everything up god damn Obviously, she would have stuck out like dogs' balls, but they they knew who she was, so they weren't gonna fuck with her. Is there an That's Australian slang. I'm trying to throw in. There. Oh, okay, stuck out like dogs' balls. Is that a thing they say? Yeah, I did Why? my research, man. How the fuck do they say that? Dogs' balls. I mean, okay, inconspicuous. You notice dogs' balls? Either makes sense or conspicuous. Conspicuous. Rather. Yeah, you notice dogs' balls. I guess. Just See, makes now. sense. Yeah. So, baby on the tracks, Kathy swinging the axe. <laughs> this is quite a scene. <laughs> Sounds guys. like my last album. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, an old man named, uh, known simply as Old Ted, was foraging for nuts and berries near this railway line, and he found and rescued Melissa Ann. And by all accounts, it was like minutes before this train had passed. Mm. Catherine was arrested and again taken to St. Elmo's Hospital, but recovered and signed herself out the following day. So It's a miracle. <laughs> yeah. After Catherine got out of the hospital this time, she directed her anger towards the people in the town. David had left her, but if his truck was still broken down, he wouldn't have been able to leave Aberdeen. And in her mind, the only reason he got out was because his truck was fixed. So she directed her anger at the town's mechanic, named nicknamed Hoppy, because he had one leg. That's clever. God damn. <laughs> That's a stretch, first of all. <laughs> Second, I'm a big fan of this Hoppy guy. Yeah. Fixing up everyone's cars, getting them running. Meanwhile, he's hopping around on one leg. He's got one leg. Love Hoppy. Catherine had been staying at her parents' house after leaving the hospital, but one morning she left early with her daughter to go to her own house and get some things. She got a paycheck, a pair of scissors, a large knife with a curve on the end of it, and some bandages. Then she went down the street to the house of a teenager she worked with at the abattoir named Margaret Macbeth. 
It's like one of those curved pirate knives you put in your teeth and slide down the uh, slide down the rope on the ship. Yeah, for what I for, from what I saw, it's a pretty brutal knife. That's what Dave thinks of. He thinks of pirates sliding down the sail with a, a knife uh, in their teeth. Or you hold the knife with both hands and you put it in the sail and, and slide. Sli- down. Yeah, that's what I would yeah. more think of. Yeah, you cut your way down. It's like that's like from like a. Like a Donald Duck or Mickey Mouse cartoon <laughs> from back in the it's day. Very swashbuckling, if I must say. Margaret's mother answered the door, and Catherine told her that Melissa Ann was sick and needed a ride to the doctor. She said that she would drive up and and pick her up, but she had to get ready. Mrs. Macbeth got all of her kids in the car and drove up to Catherine's to pick her up. So when Catherine saw that it wasn't just Mrs. Macbeth that she had all these kids in the car. She got pretty pretty irritated and said, quote, There's too fucking many of you. I'll have to get rid of some of you. That was not a good Australian accent. <laughs> I thought that was pretty. You did fine. We'll stick with it, though. You want to do a take two? No. <laughs> she then reached into the baby stroller where Melissa Ann was sleeping and pulled out this huge curved blade, this, this straight-up slaughtering knife. And Catherine first went after Margaret, who was able to get away from her and, like, kind of kind of get out of the way up to the porch and she only got a cut on her cheek Catherine then pulled out the scissors and bandages and told the family that she was going to cut them all up and then bandage them back together that's extremely scary because that's like it's just a weird mental state at that point you pull out this big ass fucking blade then you pull out the scissors and you're like i'm going to cut you up and then bandage you back like it's just it's completely it's not even logical thinking at that point. That's off the deep end stuff. So while this family is held hostage on the front porch, Catherine is looking around for something. And as it turned out, she had a gun that was hidden on her porch. And the night before, her father went over and took it. Because it was kind of like, hey, my daughter's a fucking nutcase. So I'm just going to go and grab that gun and, and, and take that away from her. And she probably would have killed people that day if if that gun wasn't taken away from her it's a lot of close calls in this story yeah i think we're gonna have a lot more we're about to talk about here coming up <laughs> but even though the gun was gone this the the big uh butcher knife that she had was enough to hold this family hostage and she demanded that they take her to queensland to find her husband david Mrs. Macbeth was quick to come up with this idea for an escape and told Catherine that they needed to stop at a gas station before they could make it to Queensland. I believe they're petrol stations. Yes. <laughs> Look at this guy. <laughs> Knows it all. He's an original over yeah. here. Can't wait till we go do a live show in Australia. And Dave just gets us all around town. He, he knows everything. He loves kangaroos like their buddies. And Absolutely. All that stuff. So Catherine was fine with this, with this idea because she just figured, hey, I could cash that paycheck that I brought with me and uh, we're good. <laughs> Let's go to Queensland after this. Always money, money, the bro- money, money. <laughs> so at the petrol station, Dave, is that what you buy your Fosters? Oh, I think like, you can buy Fosters at any retail location in the whole country. Oh. And they, I believe they have like uh, uh, vending machines on the, the streets, right? Oh, absolutely. Buy, uh, Fosters. What's and- the only beer available in the whole country? What's the only drink? I yeah. Think. Like yeah. they don't have soft drinks or water. It's just no. all fosters. Fosters. You run a marathon, you got a backpack of fosters. Sure. Yeah. They hand you little cups of fosters when you, of on course, a, on mile 20. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Fosters is what? It's Australian for beer. <laughs> I'm 
we've been trained our whole lives to think that. <laughs> why why would their government lie to them? Like it's true. Or, or I mean, why would our government lie to us? It's their their government lying to them, I think. Like they don't know that Foster's is their lifeblood, right? <laughs> I guess. They're also very close to the edge of the flat earth, being over there by the ice caps. That's true. I'm just yeah. saying it all makes yeah. sense. It's probably pretty cold over there, huh? Like all year round. Well, that's why they have the fosters on the streets. It just stays cold. <laughs> that's what I heard. Once they got there, the whole family was able to escape and lock themselves into an office at the gas station in a blind rage. And this just like kind of shows the strength of Catherine Knight. She ripped a blade off of a tractor mower and just started hacking at this metal office door with it. She's nothing if to not determine this one. It, no. Nothing's going to stop her. Like we said that she had this issue with the town mechanic. Hoppy. Hoppy. <laughs> because he fixed he fixed that car that got David out of there. So she saw Hoppy. And for whatever reason, even though she was, like we said, she was super angry with him. She dropped this, this tractor blade and didn't hurt him. Instead, she just pushed him over and stole his crutch. Poor and, fucking Hoppy. <laughs> and used it to pry the door open. God with. damn Hoppy. Just fixing cars, minding his own business. <laughs> One leg getting by. This trifling woman <laughs> coming sho- shoves him over and takes his crutch. This is a little rude. I'm trying to use nice words here. I guess in Australia, they'd call her a cunt, right? <laughs> they call her a cunt in Australia. It's an acceptable term over there. Yeah, well, for your friends, right? Do you also call people you don't like cunts? I don't know. Ma, you're a cheeky cunt. From I think, what I know about I call it, my I friends like cunts in here in America. <laughs> Ian, you're a cunt. See? It's a term of endearment. You know what? This lady's a cunt. In Australian <laughs> terms. My hands are up. Like, I'm giving up. Like, it's Australian terms. It was said with this crutch that she just, like, was beating the shit out of everything around her. Just, like, swinging it around. Beating the shit out of stuff. And, and it's a very she, cunty thing to do, right? <laughs> I would I'll say stop. so. I'll stop. I'll stop now. So she used it to pry open this door and she eventually got into the room and grabbed one of the Macbeth kids and held a knife to this boy's throat. The police arrived shortly after through negotiating. They were able to convince Catherine to let this boy go. After she let him go, the police used brooms to kind of like herd her back and like keep her at (laughs) arm's length. So she couldn't do anything. The police couldn't even like maintain this woman or like brooms. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like they couldn't stop her. Well, I don't know what the laws are with that's like, a guns. fairly benign takedown. You know, in this country, there would have been twenty five SWAT teams in there beating the fuck out of her. I, she would have been dead. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I, I mean. mean. Like I guess the that's story true. Like, I'm thinking over. Australia. Like, <laughs> They're just sweeping it away. Do they not just have guns to pull out and like point at her and be like, "Get down, or we'll fucking shoot you, you yeah. cunt." <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> It's Australia. It's a, it's that's harsh, how they talk in Australia. It's a harsh term here. I assume. I assume that's how they talk there. That is absolutely how they talk. Dave, how do they say it, though? A cunt. <laughs> cunt. Cunt. You got to watch the comedian Jim Jeffries from Oh, Australia. he's so good. He'll tell you how to he's say cunt. so good. You cunt. Jim Jeffries is fucking hilarious. Yeah, when I was reading this, I, I don't know what the laws are over there and like what if they can have actual like live firearms or not, 
But when I was reading this, I was like, well, if this was America, the story would be done right here because she yeah. would be dead and that was yeah. that would be the end of it. They're using broomsticks <laughs> to <laughs> chase her away. I'm not like saying that's right. Like she's a fucking right, rodent <laughs> under your porch. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm just saying that's what would happen. Yeah. I don't think it's like England. The cops don't have guns. I'm pretty sure they have firearms. The police. I'm sure they do too. I'm sure they do too. It's just funny in the story that they're using this. Well, they have to shoot like big spiders and stuff (laughs) (laughs) walking down the street. Gotta have guns. (laughs) See the size of those spiders over there. Australia's the wild west, man. I would shit my pants. I saw one of those spiders crawling. People in Australia are gonna hate us after this episode. We're gonna lose all of our listeners. I love them. I want to go. They're fantastic. We should have done this episode a long time ago. Yeah. So after they used, they 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 cornered her with these broomsticks and uh, just like kind of kept her at arm's length, and she just finally crashed and just fell down, like just complete adrenaline dump, just like completely crashed. She was admitted to Morset Psychiatric Hospital. When the police informed David Collette of the incident, he blamed himself. And he left his girlfriend and moved back to Aberdeen with his mother to support Catherine. This guy's nu- as nuts as she is. Put down the fosters, pal. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So when she was released on August 9th, 1976, in the care of David, Catherine's family was angry because they blamed David for all of this. And this is kind of like a running thing with Catherine was like that she could do no wrong. It was everybody else's fault for Mm -hmm. what was going on with her. And they didn't want Catherine to go anywhere near him. So David went to pick Catherine up at her parents' house. And while he was waiting outside, her mother, Barbara, came outside and kind of was giving him like kind of the the business. The what for? Like, get the the fuck out of here. (laughs) And she started choking him out like reached in the in the car and started strangling him this choke moves a family thing (laughs) everyone does the choke (laughs) and uh the night family choke (laughs) and david just he just sat there taking it like he he didn't fight back he might have had a thing for being choked though a little bit maybe a little bit he had a thing for that well well Catherine walked outside and spun her mother around and just straight out like walk off punch just not one punch knockout just dropped her mother it's the most fucked up story i think we've ever talked about Mm. what the hell is going on in australia it's in the water the fosters i think right well you gotta remember it is a penal colony (laughs) i mean you know Just, just walked off her mom. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not going to say anything disparaging about Aberdeen, but I don't for, know anything about Aberdeen. From this story, it, it seems like Aberdeen people are not not the ones to be fucked with. This I don't think that's disparaging at all. I think that's probably a point this, of pride. This whole community sounds like people that are not the ones to be uh, fucked with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> Get trash choked out, punched out, or slaughtered. So with that, Catherine, David, and their daughter moved to Woodbridge, which was a suburb of Brisbane, where they obtained a job at the Dinmore Meatworks in nearby Ipswich. This is where Catherine took the love of her knives to a whole new level. I get the love of her knives. I read that as love of her life. The love of her knife. That's no, fine. I'm drunk. On Fosters. 
Fun fact. Me- Why, we should have bought Fosters for tonight. Why we probably should have. I've never had it. disgusting. I've never had it. It's not great. All right. I'm going to get some for next episode. I want to know what the real Australian beer is. I think we've been told yeah, that. We talked about times. Cooper's. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Something yeah, else. A fun fact on Meatworks. That was, uh, that was Mike's uh, bedroom <laughs> name in the frat house. Meatworks. It's, that's true. It was a meat pumping factory. <laughs> get in, get out. Get pregnant. Boom. It's like on hydraulics. Like you just get in there. Boom, 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 boom. That meat works is what that girl said. The works was called the Z at the end. You know, be thug. So, yeah. True story. Dave, how'd you know that? Huh. Some of your friends guys my, send me an email. Talk to they, my ex-girlfriends. They, they give me all this info. Choking on my beer over here. Just like those girls used to choke on the meat words. Boom, hey. Get off the tracks and the train's coming through. So with this new system, or her new love of knives that she had, she built this system of hooks above her bed where her and David slept. And these knives would just hang above them every night while they slept. Yeah, that sounds safe. That comfortable. Would, that would be I'd the, sleep in that bed. <laughs> yeah. Calming. Yeah. That, that would be the first step for me to be like... <laughs> Ryan was gonna kind of take a couple steps back. And just <laughs> Do you think when the air condition when the air condition kicked on, it was like wind chimes, like clink clink oh clink God. clink clink? You just hear those knives above your head hitting together. <laughs> How could you even <laughs> sleep? I, I I don't think I would. I would literally probably roll onto the floor, sleep under the bed. I don't know, man. As I as I was doing this whole outline, the only thing I could keep thinking was Catherine Knight must have had some she had to have some kind of hold over these guys either mm-hmm. sexual charming something to get these guys to all go along with this stuff one night after David woke up he woke up to Catherine sitting on his chest with the tip of one of her knives in his neck and this was like right in his jugular like just about to to nick it mm. And she was just calmly telling him how easy it would be to kill him. Like, almost kind of taunting him. Like, do you know how easy this would be right now? To just, like, kind of twist this just the, like the slightest way. Open you up. Yep. And kind of odd with these abusive relationships, she just left David out of the blue. One day, David was out working, driving trucks, and Catherine just moved out. And it was said that when David found out, he celebrated by going out and getting super drunk. <laughs> he was like, hell yeah. I don't have to live under the, I don't have to sleep under these knives anymore. And yeah. Little get, did he know it was the luckiest day of his life. Yeah. That's the guy I want to party with. <laughs> we'll be right back. Is there something that interferes with your happiness? Something preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment that's totally convenient. At BetterHelp, you can get help on your own time at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. They offer licensed professional counselors who are specialized in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, and self-esteem. Anything you share with your BetterHelp counselor is kept completely confidential. If you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time for no additional charge. 
BetterHelp offers 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states and also has services available worldwide. Sign up is simple, and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. Financial aid is also available for those who qualify. And remember, BetterHelp is secure, convenient, and professional. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Necronomapod listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code NECRO. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com necro. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com necro. Catherine spent the next eight years single, moving from town to town, working at whatever slaughterhouse would take her in. Eventually, after all this moving around, she ended up back at her original employer in Aberdeen. It's hard to believe eight years. She's uh, quite a looker. She's just bouncing around. <laughs> in Aberdeen, Catherine met 38-year-old miner David Saunders in 1986. A few months later, he moved in with her and her daughters, although he kept his old apartment in Scone. Catherine soon became jealous regarding what he did when she was not around and would often throw him out. He moved back to his apartment where she would follow him and beg him to come back. In May 1987, she cut the throat of his two-month-old dingo puppy in front of him for no more reason other than just to show an example of what would happen if he ever had an affair. Jesus Christ. And this was described, how I read it, as just as what you would consider, I guess, a, a marital argument mm. along those lines. And then it escalated to her just, just straight up grab this dog and just slit its throat. I wonder how many listeners just tuned out now just on hearing that. It's not great. That's terrible. And after she did this, she went back to her frying pan thing that she did with David Kellett, and she smacked Saunders over the back of the head with (laughs) the frying pan and knocked him unconscious. Holy shit. (laughs) She loves that frying pan. Yeah. In June of 1988, she gave birth to a third daughter, Sarah. Wait. Dead puppy frying pan, but... (laughs) Eh, I'm still gonna keep fucking her. That that that's what I mean about like if we were talking about this from a from a woman's point of view, it, it it's it feels like it's really maybe it's because we're three guys sitting here and we're like what the fuck. But I mean, I don't know. I, I it it is a real thing like domestic abuse on like the flip side of it. Oh, absolutely. So I I don't know. Maybe she has a magic vagina. She has to be doing something. Yeah. I mean, there's manipulative, you know, is being manipulative. I don't, it's not the rest of her because she has a head like a bashed crab. <laughs> is that is that some Australian slang? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you call an unattractive lady a bash, a head of a bashed crab, or an unattractive whatever, head like a bashed crab. I like it down there. Those are good terms. Yeah, it's so good far. stuff. So Dave did his homework for this episode. He just looked up terms and then just read the outline and was like, "Where can I fit these?" <laughs> Bashed crab. So, so June of 1988, she gave birth to a third daughter, Sarah, which prompted Saunders to put a deposit down on a house. Catherine paid off the deposit with her workers' compensation, which came through in 1988. Now, this workman's comp is interesting because. She always loved working at the abattoir and and doing the whole slaughtering animals thing. But for some reason around this time, she just said, I don't want to work anymore and said, fuck it. 
So she applied for government assistance and she specifically just started like lifting heavy shit with just her back, like Mm -hmm. over and over again. So when it came down to like the testing time or whatever, that she would qualify for it. I I don't understand why she did it. There's no kind of real reasoning for it, but that's what happened in this time frame. She decorated their house with animal skins, skulls, horns, rusty animal traps, leather jackets, old boots, machetes, rakes, and pitchforks. I don't know. I have old boots hanging from my ceiling. Do you? Yeah, I think yeah. it's like Western chic. It's pretty cool. <laughs> can't, I like it. Can't wait to sleep under that that bear trap just <laughs> <laughs> hanging up. It's wild. It sounds like a peaceful night. Oh yeah. Is there any pictures of that uh, <laughs> decorating scheme? I'd like to see that. After an argument where she hit Saunders in the face with an iron before stabbing him in the stomach with a pair of scissors. He moved back to Scone, but when he later returned home, he found that she had cut up all of his clothes. Saunders took off in the middle of the night and went into hiding. Catherine went to find him, but no one admitted to knowing his whereabouts. And so within this process of hunting down Saunders, she met another man named John Chillingsworth. This girl sure gets around. Do, I, do Australians use the term floozy? I don't know. Good question. Let us know, Australia. There's guys one to test their luck, I guess. Okay. Catherine met John Chillingworth at a bar called the Willow Inn. John Chillingworth was also a slaughterhouse employee and a heavy drinker. She's got a type, huh? <laughs> so all three of us would meet her types. <laughs> heavy drinkers. That's I guess it. that's it. That's it. <laughs> Never killed an animal in my life. I'm not doing manual that's labor, true. so that's out. Obviously, yes. Absolutely not. But we all Are you kidding we, me? we all would pop that blue chew and be ready to go. Come at us, Catherine Knight. I walked down Slay tra- this motherfucker. I walked down a trail last summer. That's the last outdoors I ever done in my life. See, outside sucks. There's no reason to ever be outside ever. Outside is terrible. So we kind of like alluded to this whole thing of like these families in Aberdeen, like to kind of being like this local thing. The Chillingworth family were just as much of a local presence in Aberdeen as the Knight family. They had been in Aberdeen for 60 years, and they full well knew Catherine's reputation, so they were not thrilled to find out that John was dating her. And from what I was reading, John was kind of like, uh, he was kind of like the good kid in that family. You know, kind of like, oh yeah, we're we're all drinking super heavy and fighting each other and shit, but this this one's the good one kind mm. of thing. John had left Aberdeen for about 15 years and he came back. So to him, he didn't really understand exactly who Catherine Knight was. What it was to him was like, hey, I met this tall redheaded woman that is just ready to fucking fight people and <laughs> I'm all about it kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And he probably would have figured it out for himself eventually, but he got her pregnant within a couple weeks of dating her. Between her and her mother, how many fucking kids do these people have? Too many. Holy shit. Too many. The difference with John Chillingworth compared to other men that Catherine had been with was John was bigger than Catherine. And that's something that she ran with for everybody that she had ever been with other than him. She was always significantly bigger than all these guys. Hmm. So she could bully them and kind of in like impose her will on these guys. 
So instead of physically abusing him, she almost immediately started like the psychological abuse, telling him that she didn't know if the baby was his or not. Like it could be, but it might not be. Mm. I don't really know. To get her on Maury. (laughs) You are not the father. (laughs) So Catherine and her kids claim that John was physically abusive towards her. And this is kind of a thing that we haven't really touched on, but she did with every person she was ever with. And John Chillingworth, as shitty as it is, he fully admits that he he punched Catherine in the face after she punched him and broke his glasses. There's no evidence to support that John Chillingworth ever beat her up, or there's no evidence to support that anybody ever beat her up. Mm. He just might have defended himself the one time. Right, I mean, she got I mean, aggressive with yeah, him. and I'm not. I mean, I'm not saying it's 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 great. It's it's not good at all. But she used no. But based on what we've heard about her so far, right? You almost understand his his situation. Catherine left John Chillingworth shortly after meeting another man at a bar named John Price. By all accounts, John Price was a good guy, and the thing that was said about him the most that I could find was that he could drink for all of Australia. <laughs> That's all these people do over there. A bunch of drunk Aussies drinking Fosters all day. And think about that. He was the gold medalist of all of them. Yeah. Can we have? Can we just you know get his spirit in studio here? Beer I, Olympics. I, I hope that someday that there's a story written about me where they're like, yeah, that, e- that Ian Kehoe. He could drink for all of America. <laughs> Goddamn right, it could. He could drink for all of his country. That's that's a man's man. He might be on the Mount Rushmore of Necronomapod now. We we throw him up there. We got, he can drink we for a whole country. Mr. Muggs, Art Bell, Barney Hill, and John Price. John Price, throw hmm. him up there. And that's the that's a weird thing about this story too. With her is like. Like I said a little bit ago, we like kind of laugh and joke about what she does, but she's extremely abusive, and you would you would kind of assume that someone that abusive would be drinking or it's something, you mm. know what I mean? But she's been completely stone sober this whole fucking time, which is kind of even scarier. That's, yeah, that you almost feel like she's like a drunked up rage, uh, but she's right. not. So she had been completely sober up until this point. But like we said, John Price could drink for all of Australia. So she started partying up with him and she started heavily drinking and and drinking rum and Coke specifically. And it kind of seemed like adding drinking into whatever mix was going on with her was the the, kind of like the last thing that pushed this abusiveness towards murder. Mm, Who could have thought, right? According to people that knew John Price... He was more into this relationship as kind of a good time and a distraction. He had been divorced from his first wife, and he was still very much in love with her and didn't want the divorce. So this was kind of like a distraction. John had kids of his own, and they had an immediate bad feeling about Catherine Knight from the moment they met her. Well, that seems to be universal at this (laughs) point. Well, specifically... In this case, her reputation precedes her. Yeah. She, so to speak, in the Price kids' story, they, she, uh, Catherine Knight fully claimed that she was abducted by aliens. Mm. 
So what that the fuck. So that was the first thing that threw them off. They were like, "Wait a second, what?" I would love to hear what that story yeah. entails. Maybe when we're over in Australia, we can go uh, visit her. Hey, live show. We could talk about that. Hmm. Maybe we can get her on a parole. You know, we'll talk <laughs> day to day pass. Judge. Yeah, get her on the show. You could have her come live with you and Isay Sagawa. Yeah, come on over. <laughs> We'll have her do a we'll cooking see, show hey, at, our, at our live hey, event. H.H. Holmes match. will come over Steel too. Steel cage match. Who survives? <laughs> I think she does. I think she'd kill him and <laughs> I, eat him. Yeah. She would kill him and then also serve him to him. <laughs> she would make him eat himself. He's like four feet tall. Yeah. She would d- destroy him. I'm all for it. I'll sell tickets to that shit. <laughs> Things got dr- This is a guy available in the archives. <laughs> As of like three weeks ago. <laughs> As you were. Listen, you'll eat it up. <laughs> things got drastically worse between Catherine and john's kids when Catherine basically just forced john into getting engaged to her by stealing some of his money and going out and buying a ring like straight up diamond ring she just went out and bought with his money and reportedly john said something on the, along the lines of yeah that's great but not getting married like no, no ice ring <laughs> fuck off <laughs> it's an exact that we actually audio we have of him <laughs> saying that we just played it's exclusive can't <laughs> also exclusive Necronomicon. so as revenge to to john not giving into this weird engagement thing she went after his job john was a miner who had been working for his company for 17 years he was making a six-figure salary, and he had been working his way up to that for a long time. He is, reportedly was the first to show up, last to leave. And the only thing he ever did wrong at his job was he would go and grab something that would be thrown away and take it and go home with it if it was something that he could use. Not the worst thing in the world. No. No. Catherine knew about this, and one night she filmed John Price taking two expired first aid kits that were being thrown away and turned this into his employer. Instead of just writing him up or saying, don't do that again, they fired him, and he lost his pension. Yeah, that's pretty Bullshit, awful. Man. Yeah. That's enough to kill someone, no? <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> well, you know, that's a, talking about ruining someone's whole life. work, yeah, fuck yeah. And that this is the thing that's scary with abusive people like this, and we're gonna we're gonna say it a few times coming up is that people said you need to leave this person and don't go back, because when somebody like this destroys what's around you and just try and tries to destroy you, like that level of abusiveness mm-hmm. is gonna end in murder eventually. Yeah, it's not going to end well. No. And John was told by everyone around him that if he continued to see Catherine, something was terrible was going to happen. But he went back anyways. And by accounts that I read, he lost a lot of friends because of this. Because people said, you need to get away from this fucking woman. Stop going back to her. And things seemed to really come to a head when John Price set up a bouncy house in town for the neighborhood kids and this was what i was saying about earlier like john price seems like a good fucking guy he seems like a guy that we would hang out with Mm -hmm. and just drink a shit ton of beers with that he made friends with this guy who ran a business setting up bouncy houses for kids 
he traded this guy a case of beer to set one up for the kids in the neighborhood. Like that, that seems like something we would do or something like, like, Hey man, here's a case of beer. Go set that fucking thing up. Let's have fun. And instead of letting everybody have a good time, Catherine got super drunk and accused Price's daughters of molesting her kids. Oh, sure. Just as a side note, I love those videos of bouncy houses blown away in the strong winds where they <laughs> go flying over people's houses and there's kids in them and stuff. I've not seen one with kids in them. Well, no? I've actually never seen one with a bouncy house blowing away. It sounds fucking awesome, though. Yeah, where the, the, the anchors come out, strong winds, and they go. I mean, I under, yeah, it sounds awesome. <laughs> I've just not seen that. I'm kidding. Not with the kids in it. but Well, of course. It's funny when they go blowing down the street over the houses. And you can't tell if there's kids in it or not. So this this whole thing of her accusing his daughters of molesting her kids, because that's, that's another thing. I feel like we kind of glossed over a lot of this, unfortunately, with her story. But it's like this this like repetitive cycle of this guy beat me. This guy abused my kids. It's always this reason for being able to like beat the fuck out of somebody kind of thing. Mm. And she kept doing this, and this was like the straw that broke the camel's back with Price's kids. So at this party with this bouncy house, his daughter grabbed a plate, like this decorative plate that she she knew that this was Catherine's, and she asked if anyone knew whose it was. And if Catherine said it was hers, Price's daughter handed it to her and said, quote, Fuck off or I'll break it over your fucking head. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> And then she just straight up physically kicked Catherine off of the porch that they were standing on. Like three 300 kick? That's how I picture it in my head. <laughs> how old is this daughter? 12. She, she's got... Yeah, I, right. I, in my mind, I picture it. She's like maybe in her 20s. I don't yeah, know. Like an adult, though. Yeah. Just finally someone standing, standing I love, up this I love bitch. every second of this part of the story. Yeah. This is Sparta! <laughs> just fucking kick that bitch off the... Uh, the porch with our plate in her hand <laughs> take that plate i'll break it over your fucking head and just boot your ass off there motherfucker <laughs> this is kind of it seems like like you you kind of go through her story you research it online whatever and you don't really you you don't see this little this little detail but it i feel like it stands out because she didn't get angry she didn't fight back and and she just kind of stewed on this and I feel like this is like almost Price's kids became part of the problem at this point. And it kind of set things in motion for what we're about to get into. A few days later, they had another heated argument and Catherine stabbed Price in the chest. And that was it for him. I mean, apparently you can do anything in Australia and not go to jail. Do they have any laws or anything over here? <laughs> Australia is jail. <laughs> They're in like, jail. They're, she stabbed like 25 people already. Yes. Well, it's in jail. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? I, I, I mean, he's right. Like, yeah. how, what, Who does this bitch have to kill to, to do something about this? You mean like since you live in a penal colony, you can just commit crimes at will and well, nothing that's what happens? I was saying, Dave. That's what I was saying. They throw you in a hole or yeah. something? Like you're already there. Like you're, you're in jail. What are they going to do? Throw you in the water? <laughs> I feel like uh, outside of thank you for getting my joke ten minutes after I I was formulating my response and you started moving on. I'm sorry for the delay, fucko. Goddamn. I feel like if outside of aliens, if there wasn't system failures 
we wouldn't have a show to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably a fair point. Yeah. So she stabbed him in the chest, and there were people that he worked with. I mean, he got, he had gotten fired from the mining thing, but he got another job. And there were people that he worked with that kind of were taking bets on like what type of injuries John Price would show up with the oh, next man. day. And he would keep explaining it away as like it was an accident, it was this, it was that. But this one was bad. This was not, you could not explain this away. This was an actual stab wound to his chest. Mm. And he said that was enough. He tried kicking her out. And she said that she would leave if he gave her $10,000. And it was almost the way that I read it was like, you give me $10,000 and I'll leave or else I'll fucking kill you is how I read it. It sounds about right. And you know what? In in fairness to John Price, good on him. He wasn't going to give her any money. But at the same time, he was absolutely terrified of her. So he went to the justice of the peace and got a protection order against her. But they told him that it would be three weeks before they could get it to go through. It's helpful. John went home to wait it out. And all of his friends and family told him that you cannot go home. Do not go home. I repeat, do not go home. (laughs) That woman is dangerous. Do not go home. But John was afraid that because of that whole bouncy house incident and all that stuff, that if he went into hiding, Catherine would do something to his kids. So he went home and waited it out. And he told his friends that if he didn't show up to work the next day, Catherine had killed him. On February 29th, 2000, Catherine set out to say goodbye to her loved ones, lay out the groundwork for her defense, and murder John Price. God damn. Dun, 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 Is that like dun, a commercial dun, break right there? You like how I'm laying this out? Boom, boom. <laughs> so Catherine first went around telling everybody that she could in town, everybody around Aberdeen, how John Price had beat her up, and she was showing everybody bruises on her chest, and she was like, it was said that she was like full on, like just pulling down her shirt and showing everybody she has bruises and i mean it's not known for sure but it's it's highly suspected that these bruises were self-inflicted and she was going into detail about how john price beat her up and john price's first wife that we talked about that he was like still in love with and didn't want to divorce she said that there wasn't a mean bone in his body that he would never touch somebody ever sounds like poor guy trying to work and drink and live his life he could drink for Australia. It reminds me a lot of me. I could drink for Australia. <laughs> you could drink for America. I also could. I've been told that before. I was like, Mike, you could drink for Australia. Mike, you could drink for North America if you wanted. I said, no, I'm not going to brag about that. It's a bold statement. Give me that alcohol. I'll do it. So after she just went around Aberdeen telling her, talking shit to everybody about John Price, she went to her sister Joy's house to return some VHS tapes that she had borrowed. After this, she went to her daughter, Natasha's house, with her video camera. And once she was there, she set up the camera and had her grandkids on her knee playing with her breasts out of her shirt and singing a made-up song about, quote, Nana's titty bops. What? (laughs) (laughs) Nana's titty bops! Nana's titty bops! (laughs) So she's got grandkids playing with her titties. Her flat-out, like, open... They're yeah. exposed titties yeah. singing Nana Titty Bops. Yep. Made up nursery rhymes. Is this video available uh, anywhere? 
Yeah, Pornhub, Pornhub.com slash what the fuck. Pornhub.com slash Nana's titty bombs. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Not not sure just what's happening. Straight up that. titty out. And they're just flopping around with it going Nana titty bop. God damn. Is this what happens in Australia? <laughs> I don't think I want to go there. Crazy over show. there, right? I don't want to sing Nana titty bop. <laughs> That's mandatory when you land. You go through customs and they make you sing that. <laughs> Nana's titty bops. We, we are generalizing a whole country on one show. Meanwhile, we've done like a year and a half of just American br- brutality. Just shed light but, on how shitty our but country we're just, is. Right. Yeah, but we're just shitting on Australia off of one story. It's not fair. But still, Nana titty bops, pretty fucking weird. So with that, around 11 o'clock that night, Catherine set off to go murder John Price. Uh, John Price had been spending the evening drinking with his neighbors and went home. Hell yeah. Yeah. He's just doing his thing, man. In this shitty fucking relationship, getting his ass beat, tired of dealing with this shit. He was out drinking with his neighbors, went home around 11 o'clock and went to sleep. Catherine showed up at his house while he was sleeping. She came in and watched television for a few minutes and then took a shower. After she showered, she put on some black lingerie that she had bought from a thrift store earlier in the day. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Like used? <laughs> wait a minute. Well, hold the fuck up. Used lingerie. Yeah, I mean, thrift store. Isn't that illegal? I mean, it's it's well, it's Dave, lawless you're in a penal, down there. You're in a penal con. True, true. You can resell intimate apparel, apparently. Like if that's touching your naughty bits. Naughty bits. Would you put Nana's that titty on? Bobs. Titty yes, bobs, titty exactly. Bobs. All of this. Like, I'm not wearing anyone else's underwear. I wouldn't wear one of your guys' underwear if I needed it. Like, I, I just wouldn't need underwear that bad or lingerie that bad if I was a chick. What? So we're selling you. You can buy it at Goodwill, dude. I don't think I, so. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. arguing whether or not you can or can't. I'm arguing whether or not you would. <laughs> oh, and. Know. Why would you? Why are you buying used lingerie? You're trying to save a buck, man. It's cheap. Okay. All right. What? I'm giving you guys both the Steve Harvey look right now. Like, it's <laughs> not, no, that's not okay. It's not okay. I don't believe you can buy lingerie at the uh, thrift stores in Australia. <laughs> Or in this here? country, I don't know about Australia. I've not. There's seen, no laws never, in Australia. I mean, you can I do anything you want. I don't go to thrift stores very much here, but I've never seen lingerie. The few times I have, that's kind of weird. We're gonna find out tomorrow, though. So after she put on these uh, these thrift store lingerie, she then woke Price up, and they had sex and fell asleep. I know I stabbed you, but uh, you want to fuck? <laughs> that's what I'm saying, man. She must have been good at something because. Yeah. At 6 a.m. the next day, a neighbor became concerned that Price's car was still in the driveway and he did not arrive at work and his employer sent a worker out to see what was going on because he specifically said the night before, if I do not show up at work, she fucking killed right. me. Yeah, I'm dead. Yep. Motherfucker called it. He called his own death. Mm-hmm. He's the Babe Ruth of death. <laughs> and- both the neighbor and the worker tried to knock on Price's bedroom window to wake him, and they alerted police after they noticed blood on the front door. Police arrived at 8 a.m., breaking down the back door. They found John Price's body with Catherine comatose after taking a large number of pills. 
She had stabbed John Price with a butcher's knife while he was sleeping. According to the blood evidence, he woke up, tried to turn on a light before attempting to escape while Catherine chased him through the house. He managed to open the front door and get outside, but either stumbled back inside or was dragged back into the hallway where he finally died after bleeding out. He was stabbed a total of 37 times. Holy fuck. And to just kind of elaborate on, I don't know if it's whether or not he was in shock or if he was just that much accustomed to her her abusiveness he had no defensive wounds at all he didn't try to defend himself one single well, that's time interesting mm. so take that for what you will so he was drunkenly passed out or he just didn't think that she would fully do it to him i take it well maybe at the start I take it the way I take it as but then, that by he then you're, had already you're comatose or whatever, you know, you're incapacitated. Yeah. yeah. And then she just fucking finishes the job. The way I take it as is leading up to this, he had been stabbed twice. I don't know if he fully thought that she would actually kill him is the way I look at it. But why would you still not defend yourself from stab wounds? Because he thought it wasn't for real. He'd been, gr- He'd been stabbed he- twice. He's been groomed to think that it wasn't going to kill him. Minor wounds, though. What? Minor wounds. Even, even if you told me I'm not going to kill you, I'm going to stab you, I'm going to stop that. Like, no one's going to allow themselves mm. to be stabbed. Well, somebody did. I, I don't think he allowed it. He didn't defend himself. I think he couldn't. I think he couldn't. I think he probably was super drunk when she started it. And then by the time she finished those last probably 30 stabs, he was in no position to be able to defend himself. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could, for sure. I mean, you could argue either way. It's it's a way up for I mean, He was drinking with neighbors yeah. ahead of time. I don't know. Oddly, Catherine went to Aberdeen, withdrew $1,000 from Price's account at an ATM, and no one knows what happened to that money. That's all of her family members, everybody says. I don't know what happened to that thousand dollars. Yeah, so something. I mean, somebody got that fucking thousand dollars. Well, do we ever say you already said how she was found? Correct. Mm-hmm. So, do we think she just bought like some fucking pills with that money and just took those and passed out? Yeah. So, the, I, mean, I mean, that this seems is, the most logical, right? Well, no. Nah, I she kind of threw out the story. She had like a multiple, like half-hearted suicide attempts. Throughout this story, Catherine and I did the whole, um, this really abusive thing of, if you're going to leave me, I'm going to kill myself. And then you take me back. And you know what I mean? Right. Like, okay. Like over but, and over again. And that's kind of what this sounds like. Okay. I guess I'm just trying to think of where that money went. Maybe, maybe she took kids. some pills. Maybe her kids. And they said, eh, I don't know what happened to uh, it. Yeah, and maybe so. Yeah. Several hours after Price had died, Catherine skinned him so precisely that she took his skin off in one piece with his face still intact. She then hung the skin from a meat hook and left it on top of the door in the lounge room. She then decapitated John Price and cooked parts of his body, serving up the meat with baked potato, pumpkin, beetroot, zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash, and gravy in two settings at the dinner table, along with notes beside each plate, each having the name of one of John Price's children on it. She was preparing to serve the body parts of the children, too. (laughs) That's next level there. So let's unwrap this for a second. 
she was so good at being like just a skilled butcher from all these years and then just pulled him completely off and his face was still intact. Still intact on the skin or on his body? In the skin. So when she took the the skin off, his face face was was intact with the skin she was holding in her hands. Right. So if like you were hung up, your face would still be there. The the whole body is there. The whole front of the body is there in skin. Everything. Just peeled you off Mm. and put you up on a hook. And about to serve you uh, to your kids. That was the trying. That was that was the plan. There was a third meal that was thrown out in the back lawn for unknown reason. And it's speculated that Catherine had attempted to eat it, but couldn't couldn't go through with it. Probably because it tastes fucking gross. I've heard it tastes like pork, is from what I've heard. Mm, probably. I believe we discussed <laughs> from that what before. I've heard. We be- I, we've discussed that before, from have the, we not? From the culinary magazine articles I wrote, it tastes <laughs> like pork. Didn't we discuss that, Dave? And you and I both said we would try it? Yeah, absolutely. I would absolutely. And Ian said I, no. no I and not. I was told it tastes kind of like pork. I would taste a very small bite, and I probably wouldn't like it, but I would just want to try it just to say I did. I would never do it. I, I respect that, but I don't know. I would. It's meat. Meat is meat. Well, Dave wouldn't do it anymore. He's a vegetarian. Nope, so no more meat. Is that, you got any of that tofu human? I'll try that. It's just <laughs> stuff with rice and grain and everything else or whatever. Green. You guys what your, tofu is made out of. You guys eat your fucking <laughs> sofritas from Taco Bell, whatever that shit is. It's uh, Chipotle, number one. What did I say? Taco I Bell. would love myself some sofritas right now. John Price's head was found in a pot with vegetables. Sometime later in the sequence of events, Catherine arranged Price's body in his favorite chair with his left arm draped upon an empty liter of a soft drink bottle with his legs crossed. Mm. So she was uh, saving his uh, head to eat later? I don't know, man. You just yeah. It's kind of... This whole thing is just like... It goes from... It goes from like almost like OJ level of like domestic violence to like fucking Ed Gein, right? In a matter of like minutes. That's true. Yeah. Well, she was probably saving the head uh, to have it for Brecky with a little uh, Vegemite <laughs> on it. See, well, Brecky was Vegemite. No one knows what the fuck that means. <laughs> have you guys had Vegemite? No. I want to try it. I don't even know what that is. I want to try it. It's a weird thing. It's like, it's like a spread. Brewer's yeast. or It's a weird thing. But it's thing. a spread, right? You put on, do you just on bread or you toast it? I don't know. I'll eat it. I mean, I don't know. Can we, where can we get that? Can Australia. Get that? But can you get, you can't get it here? I don't think so. I think you can. Okay. Well, let me know. I'll get some Vegemite. Right. If I can do it, I'll try it. I'll try it on air. Bonus episode, of course. You got to pay for that shit. Eat Vegemite while you take blue chew. Okay, but I can't be responsible for my actions after that. <laughs> I try to fuck a sandwich. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Holes is holes. And Charlie, we're at Charlie, that, that Charlie, point of the night. Charlie Runkle, Californication. <laughs> holes is holes, Hank. All right, we're going to try Vegemite live on air. Bonus episode. Vegemite? Vegja will. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it. <laughs> How can you not sign up for Patreon now? Patreon.com slash Necronomapod. That will be a bonus episode. We're going to eat Vegemite. We're going to eat Vegemite on a bonus show. Wash it down with some Fosters. 
All right, let's wrap this bitch up. Right. Catherine left a handwritten note on top of a photograph of John Price. It was blood-stained and covered in small pieces of flesh, and it read, quote, Time got you back, Jonathan, for raping my daughter. You, Beck, referring to John Price's daughter. For Ross. For little John, referring to John's son. Now play with John's dick, John Price. All right. Means nothing. It's nonsense. Basically how this went down, Catherine did what she did and then took a handful of pills and did this like kind of half-hearted suicide attempt is what happened here. So when she was taken in, she declined her initial plea offer for manslaughter and she was arraigned on March 22nd, 2001 on the charge of murdering John Price to which she entered a plea of not guilty. Her trial was initially set for July 23rd, 2001 but was adjourned due to counsel's illness, and it was refixed for October 15th, 2001. When trial commenced, Justice Barry O'Keefe offered the, the 60 jury prospects the option of being excused due to the nature of the photographic evidence, which five accepted. When the witness list was read out to the prospects, several more also dropped out. So people were not thrilled with... Uh, I don't want to look at that. Seeing John Price. I agree. Catherine's attorneys then spoke to the judge who adjourned on the following day. The next morning, Catherine changed her plea to guilty. The jury was dismissed. It was now made public that Justice O'Keefe had been advised of the plea change of the day before. He had adjourned the trial and then ordered a psychiatric assessment overnight to determine if Catherine Knight understood the consequences of the guilty plea and was fit to stand such a plea. Catherine's legal team planned to defend her by claiming amnesia and disassociation, a claim supported by most psychiatrists, although they did concur her sane. Two psychiatrists concluded that Knight suffered from borderline personality disorder, but it was heavily noted in her sentencing that people with borderline personality disorder would not do what she did. No reason has ever been given for her guilty plea, and despite giving it, Catherine still refuses to accept responsibility for her actions. At the sentencing hearing, Catherine's lawyers requested that she be excused to avoid hearing some of the facts, but this was denied. When police officer Timothy Lyons took stand to describe the skinning and decapitation of John Price, Catherine became hysterical and had to be sedated. I'd have to be sedated too. Don't skin. It's <laughs> <laughs> good advice, Ian. Thank you. The fine gentleman that could drink for all of Australia. <laughs> National fucking hero, that guy. <laughs> Bullshit. No joke. On the 8th of November, Justice O'Keefe pointed out that the nature of the crime and Catherine's lack of remorse required a severe penalty. He sentenced her to life of imprisonment, refused to fixed non-parole period, and ordered that her papers be marked as, quote, never to be released. And it's the first time that it has ever been imposed on a woman in Australian history. Mm. She will to receive the point. life in prison. Never to be released. Never happened before. Hmm. There are like more than 100 in California alone in the United States. So, Mark, what's going never on to be released? There? Yeah. So, it's the prisoner? real penal colony, Dave? I think it's California. Hmm. 
Probably, but they're going to fall off into the ocean eventually. Mm, we right? love putting people in prison in this country. Earthquakes are going to take them do, away. my friend. That might be a topic for our side political show. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you know, when we do those political shows, of course. <laughs> more people in prison than China in this country. It's outrageous. Yeah, it's it, that's that was a crazy st- statistic for reading about them. You couple that with fucking private prisons and, uh, you know, incentivizing judges paid off by private prisons to sentence people to prison it's uh, it's just outrageous who's the real penal colony i ask again so by all accounts Catherine knight loves it in prison she's never had a single outburst nothing violent she's never been reprimanded for anything not a single incident she makes headphones like Mm. those cheap headphones that you get on the air flight and you're fine sure that's what she does all day long she plans parties She's the party planning committee. Exactly. <laughs> She's Angela from The Office. And uh, she she loves every second of it. She's never had to been questioned. And according to one guard, she's rolled in there because, quote, they simply do not fuck with her. We'll see you next week. <laughs> if you skin a man. I just want to end with that. No one fucks with you. She's also a huge motherfucker. You think any of those girls in no. prison are going to fuck with her? No. I sure as fuck hope not. That's this, a mic drop. This lady's something else, man. What a crazy story. Like the like she beat up all of her husbands. I mean, she had a terrible upbringing. Beat up her husband. But by her account, so you don't know. Yeah. That's true. You're right. And then fucking just had it out for this guy, maybe because of his daughters. Really? That's what sent her over the edge. Yeah. That's quite a story. So this is it. This is what when we go to Australia, this is what we might see. Yeah, they got a couple more that they that people have requested that are. Meanwhile, Australians are like motherfuckers. You had O.J. Simpson, you have Casey Anthony, you have H.H. Holmes, yeah. you have a fucking every other serial killer you've talked about, and the ones you're still gonna talk about. They have one that they keep requesting that I don't love. Who? Ivan Millette? No, not that one. The mm. other one. Apparently, they have a couple we keep requesting. Yeah, That's that a good one, one. That one, but there's the other one. The, uh, the Snow Net is it Snowtown. Yeah, the Snowtown Murders. Oh, we have had that one. All right. We got some Patreon shout-outs. Thank you very much to Leanne Rafferty, Zach Taylor Day, Gabrielle Servo, Natasha Lloyd, Amy Lynn, Emily Schmemily, Rory Allen, Victoria Taylor, Megan Goldman, Anastasia, Christina Rowe, Larry Gavin, Russian, and Nina Vieira. Thank you very much. We appreciate your support. We are at patreon.com slash necronomapod. If you are interested in signing up for three bonus episodes a month, and they're badass bonus episodes, you also get access to all of our archived bonus episodes uh, dating back to September of 2019. So we have quite a bit uh, there available for you. Ian, what shout outs we got tonight? I have one for Rachel Brewer, 88. She is not fond of your obsession with Britney Spears, Mike. Sorry, I'm not sorry. (laughs) Jay Friedegg, It's Syrup, Mr. SVT, and that is it. And Mr. SVT says that this show is not for everybody who is a sensitive Sally. That's true. I would very much agree with you, sir. Yep. Thanks for the review, though. Dave, what do you got for us? From Twitter, Vic V. Podolowski, 
And a special uh, birthday shout out to uh, one of our fans in Discord, Zombie Gal. So I hope you're eating some uh, good flesh for your birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> Nailed it. All right. I think that about does it. It's quite a show. Yeah. I'm gonna throw one out. I'm gonna throw one quick shout out to Lauren Sim L A U R E N S I M M at Instagram. Go check out her uh, her photography account. Super cool. There you go. Eagles. <laughs> she takes Shots pictures of, of she takes pictures of wild eagles. It's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I didn't All even know right. that. It, I didn't even know that existed. Eagles. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, like, not in the wild. Like, I can just go walk around and see them. There you go. Did Check you out know, that account. Did you know that? I know the real? Eagles existed in this it, country. That you yeah. can go walk around and see them. In some parts, yes. Not in our parts. Like multiple. Some. Uh, like 12 at a time. No, I didn't. Well, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if I ever thought that hard about Eagles. Did you think about it? I know. When I'm in <laughs> you know, Kelly's Island, I yeah. see Eagles flying around sometimes. But that happens. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you guys in Australia over on our Australian tour, hopefully in the near future. <laughs> and the rest of you, uh, you know, fuck off, whatever. Ready for a cold beer? Yes, Cheers. Sir. <laughs>